Hey everyone! Did you know Neurodiverging now offers a free support group for autistic parents, monthly free live classes on neurodivergence-related topics, and a coaching corner twice a month on Instagram? Learn more and sign up for all of our learning opportunities at neurodiverging.com slash upcoming events. Every day, scientists are learning more and more about how human brains work and how many of us don't fit into the old-fashioned understanding of how brains should work. But a lot of ideas about parenting and familial relationships still need to catch up to the reality of human variation. Neurological differences are natural, profoundly valuable parts of being in a community together and in being part of a family. Whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey, I am here to explore with you. We are all in this together. Welcome to Neurodiverging. friends and welcome to Neurodiverging. Thanks so much for tuning in with me today. If you're new here, I'm Danielle and I'm your host. I'm the autistic parent of one autistic child and one ADHD child and the partner of an ADHD man. And I am recording this episode during a very challenging week. And uh, I hope that you are listening to it having gotten good news on the other side of that. So we'll just have to see. Anyway, Neurodiverging is dedicated to helping neurodiverse folks like me, maybe like you, find the resources that we need to live better lives as individuals and to further disability awareness and social justice efforts to improve all of our lives as part of the larger world community. If you're interested in learning more, you can hit the subscribe button and make sure you're notified when there's a new episode. You can also check out neurodiverging.com where there are transcripts of these episodes, as well as independent blog posts, uh, all about all things neurodivergent. I also have a Patreon running, patreon.com slash neurodiverging, and you can come be one of my first patrons and get cool behind-the-scenes extras and support this podcast. I also want to thank Zach, a patron who joined this week. Welcome, Zach, and thank you for supporting neurodiverging. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. So as of today, when I'm recording this, I have been running this blog for a while. And in this whole time of doing this podcast, I have failed utterly to dedicate an episode to sensory processing disorder or sensory overwhelm. I want to give you some go-to tips that I use in my everyday life to avoid sensory overwhelm. Now, first, let's just talk about this very briefly. Sensory processing disorder is also called SPD, and in some places it's called SID for sensory integration disorder. This refers to the idea that um, you have a set of senses, you are processing information from your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, your skin, at every moment of every day. Some people process all this information coming in from all their senses very quickly, very smoothly, without any bumps in the road, and can use that information quickly and clearly to inform their understanding of their environment. Some of us have more trouble doing that than average. And those of us with autism, those of us with ADHD and certain other neurodivergences uh, tend to have more trouble managing our sensory inputs 
and being able to use our senses in a way that is actually helpful to us as opposed to distracting or painful to us. So sensory processing disorder or sensory integration disorder is this idea that as this information comes in from your senses, you might be getting too much information from some senses, too little information from other senses. Basically, your brain is not managing the information that's coming in appropriately or helpfully for you. This can cause what is known as lots of different things, really, but things like sensory overwhelm, things like autistic meltdowns, things like shutdowns, um, depending on kind of how severe the sensory issues are in the individual. I tend to get very overwhelmed from sensory input, especially auditory input. So if things are too loud and things are too bright and I'm getting overtouched, I will absolutely have a meltdown or I need to like leave the room and find a better environment. I do best outside because sounds that echo within a room can be really horrifying for my ears. I don't know how else to describe that. Um, I also can get overtouched very easily. I actually have a post up on my blog at neurodiverging.com right now specifically about um, if you have sensory overwhelm while breastfeeding, because I think that's uh, something that comes up a lot for people who breastfeed their babies who are autistic or who have ADHD or have other reasons for sensory overwhelm. Breastfeeding or even just having a baby, even if you're not nursing, can create it, you know, you're touching somebody every three hours for like six months at least. And it's very easy to feel overtouched and feel like you don't have control of your body and add to that exhaustion, overwhelm, stress from work, anything else that's going on. And it can just kind of push you over the edge into having more meltdowns or more shutdowns. Anyway, so if you're interested in sensory overwhelm from breastfeeding specifically, you should go check out that post. But the point is that anybody can be dealing with sensory overwhelm at any time. I think my understanding is that right now, diagnostically, sensory processing disorder is usually or almost always co-diagnosed with autism. My personal opinion as not a medical professional, and so take this with a grain of salt, is that I have met lots of people who have what looks like sensory overwhelm, who do not fit autism criteria and are not autistic. So there does seem to be, at least anecdotally, some group of people who do experience sensory processing difficulties and sensory overwhelm, but are not on the autism spectrum. Also, plenty of ADHD people seem to experience sensory overwhelm as well. But even people who are otherwise neurotypical sometimes seem to have experiences that when you describe sound a lot like sensory overwhelm to my ear. So I would say that currently sensory overwhelm is not particularly well understood, especially outside of the autism spectrum disorder. So that is kind of a, a rambly, but a starter about what sensory overwhelm is like. I can say that in my head, when I am overwhelmed with sound, with touch, with light, I cannot think about anything else. It is to the point of pain and severe discomfort. I am known to just like go hide in my room, turn off all the lights, get under my weighted blanket and just be like, mama's on a break. And my kids even, they are both neurodivergent. They get sensory overwhelm as well. They both will take breaks if they get overwhelmed because we all know that brains work differently. And sometimes just because something isn't loud to you doesn't mean that it's not loud to your sibling or your mother, and they might have to go take a break. 
and get away from the noise. So there are some basic things, though, that you can do to sort of get ahead of sensory overwhelm. You're not always going to be able to control what your senses are doing at any given time. If I didn't sleep well the night before, despite best efforts, I am going to have a lower tolerance for auditory input for touch for flickering lights that day than I might on days that I had slept better. If I am stressed or distracted, say by uh, current political events, then I am going to have less tolerance for, for input, for sensory input. And that's just something that sometimes you can't control. But what you can do is notice what your triggers are and try to get in front of them. So here are a few things that I do to kind of keep myself as regulated as I can and minimize meltdowns and shutdowns. And these are things that are are skills that I'm also teaching my kids to be able to notice and do. Because I will say, historically, I wasn't diagnosed with autism until I was in my 30s. I have a couple of episodes on that. You can go look if you want. When I had my babies, I started becoming overwhelmed really often, much more often than I did before I had my babies. And this was before I was diagnosed with autism. I wasn't diagnosed until my first child was almost two and a half. So, but when I had my first child, you know, I went from being able to self-seclude, to schedule my own time the way I needed to, to do my work the way I needed to, to basically being able to organize my life in a way that worked best for me without too much struggle to having this baby who was nursing every three hours, who was loud, who cried, who had their own schedule and their own routine, and I could no longer organize myself in the best way for me. I was always exhausted. I was breastfeeding. I was up all night. And all of those things just out of nowhere exacerbated my sensory processing difficulties. I also had postpartum depression. I had postpartum anxiety. It was a really hard time. The sensory processing, because it was mixed in with the depression, anxiety, new baby stuff, it took me a really long time to recognize it for what it was and to realize that it was a separate issue from all the other issues that were going on. So if you have recently been diagnosed with autism, if you're ADHD, even if you're not, if any of this sounds familiar to you, look into sensory processing disorder it might apply to you. And even neurotypical people have periods in their lives when they are kind of lower resource and sensory processing becomes difficult for them. That's my experience. Again, not a medical professional, but there are a couple of things that you can do kind of regardless of what your brain type is to get in front of sensory processing disorder and give yourself some more tools to stave it off (laughs) if you can. The first thing is, if possible, keep yourself on a schedule or a routine. The reason I say this is because if you know what you're going to be doing ahead of time, you can plan for whatever whatever sensory input you're likely to get. So if you know ahead of time that you are going into a loud environment, you can bring ear defenders with you. If you know ahead of time that the place you're going to has the worst lighting in the world, you can bring sunglasses. If you can plan out your day and make it somewhat routine or regular, then you can kind of build into your routine ways of minimizing sensory overwhelm. Other important things about being on a schedule are things like, are you sleeping enough? Are you eating enough? Are you drinking enough water? All of those sort of bodily maintenance 
things can really help you process better, right? If your brain is working better because <laughs> you're not starving and you've slept, um, you are going to be able to process stimuli better, okay? So keeping on a routine or a schedule to the best of your ability, and I understand this is not possible for everybody, but just doing the best you can will give you a best foot forward situation where you are going into any kind of potential sensory overwhelm with as much energy and as much uh, facility as you can. Okay, so if possible, stay on a schedule, stay on a routine. This goes for kiddos too. If you have kiddos, I know that it's not always possible to keep kids on a strict schedule. And I don't know that all kids benefit from a strict schedule in the same way. But I will say that if you're keeping bedtimes if on, on schedule, if you're keeping eating times on schedule, if you're just watching to make sure that the kids are getting enough energy, they're getting enough sleep, they're getting enough playtime, then you're setting them up for success in terms of managing their own sensory input and reducing the likelihood of their overwhelm or shutdown. And that helps you out too as a parent. So that's my first suggestion for managing sensory overwhelm is schedule yourself, give yourself a routine so that you can know what, you, what you're going into, <laughs> know what you're going into and have tools set aside for yourself to manage those situations. The second thing I want to say is you are allowed to take a break from your responsibilities, okay? Now, generally, we all have tasks we need to do every day to keep like our lives moving forward, especially perhaps if you're a parent and you're responsible for more than one person's life. You know, you need to eat, you need to sleep, you need to do the dishes so you have clean dishes, from which you eat, you need to do grocery shopping, you need to go to the bank, whatever it is. On a really bad week, I will not do my dishes for four or five days. Is it kind of gross? Yeah. Does it reserve my energy for the important things so I'm not constantly dealing with auditory overwhelm and like crying in my room? Yes, it does. I will trade a gross sink that I have to deal with later temporarily for more energy. Now, if this is happening all the time, like if you are constantly dealing with dirty dishes because you can't manage to do the dishes and also not cry all the time, that implies that your life is overwhelming, that there is too much going on um, and too much for you to do. And that is something that requires further thought. Like, are there other things you could minimize routinely so that you're not constantly dealing with the same problem? But if you're a pseudo perfectionist and you want to keep things together all the time and you are working yourself to the bone, trying to stay on top of stuff, and also you're dealing with sensory overwhelm, it might be worth it to consider ordering pizza instead of cooking dinner, not doing the dishes for a little while, letting the laundry not be folded for a couple of days. You know, whatever you need to be doing to redirect your energy away from less, not less important tasks, but maybe less priority tasks temporarily to do what you need to do and keep yourself healthy, to keep yourself not in constant overwhelm. Okay. There are seasons in our lives where we are just overwhelmed people. That is just part of life, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean that you can't look at what's happening and sort of analyze it and try to figure out if there are things you could be reducing so that you are not struggling so much all the time. If you are a nursing parent, for example, order some pizza. You're already working really hard. You don't necessarily need to also be cooking a five-star meal, okay? If you are 
working overtime at work, putting in more hours, then let the laundry go. It does not matter. If your mother-in-law is making you want to rip your hair out because you have a disagreement, don't do the dishes. Put your energy where it needs to be right now and worry about the dishes later, okay? Certain folks really need to hear this. I know some of you are laughing at me, but certain folks are just trying to do too much. And it is not a weakness to drop some of that work for a little while and focus on what you need to be doing to keep yourself well, okay? Now, my third suggestion would be that you are also allowed to take a break from people. (laughs) Um, The autistics might be laughing at me because we're really good at this, and I'm really good at this, I promise. But parents, you're allowed to take breaks from your kids. People, you're allowed to take breaks from your friends and your spouses. All people become overwhelmed sometimes, but those of us who have sensory processing difficulties are at an even bigger advantage. Some people get a lot of their energy from socializing. And if you're one of those people, it, it may be that I don't have a great grasp of your sensory processing overwhelm because I am a huge introvert. So if you're an extrovert and you deal with sensory processing overwhelm, you should email me at neurodiverging.podcast at gmail.com so we can discuss what extroverts <laughs> should do if they are dealing with sensory processing issues. But I will say as an introvert that even though I love my friends, I love my partner, I love my kids. My partner will be the first one to tell you that I need to go hide from my very, very, very chatty five and seven-year-olds very often because if I have to hear one more thing about about reptiles and how they lay eggs, I will like, I will tear my hair out. I just cannot, I cannot hear it one more time. The chattiness can get, I'm so proud of my kids. They're so clever. They're such good people, but the chattiness can just, it wastes my energy. I could be hearing anything else and having to process anything else, but instead I'm processing what is essentially gibberish, unfortunately, because I'm just being told the same thing over and over and over again all day because my kids are really excited about whatever factoid they latched onto that week. But that means that all of my sensory energy that's available is being used processing what is essentially junk input. And that means I don't have anything left over sometimes for actually needed input or needed analyzation or needed thinking because I've used all my energy on junk. So there's something to be said for saying, hey, I'm already overwhelmed. I don't think I should do this coffee date with my girlfriend. I don't think I should talk, you know, on the phone with my father. Maybe I shouldn't go on a date with my boyfriend tonight, whatever it is. It's not being selfish to make time for yourself, to prioritize your own mental well-being, to say, I just need it to be quiet for 10 minutes (laughs) so I can give my brain something else to do besides think about snake eggs, okay? Real example from real life. That's what you get here on Neurodiverging, okay? If you need to take a break from your kids, if you need to take a break from your partner, if you need to take a break from your best friend, if they are your people, they will get it, okay? Like, set up a way to signal to them that they need breaks. If my five-year-old can understand that mama needs a break, and it doesn't mean that my kid has done anything wrong, but that I am allowed to take breaks, if she can understand that, and she can be happy to give me a break, your kid can do it too. It might take some like conversation between you to figure it out and to set the boundaries and to be kind with your boundaries but it can absolutely happen. And it should definitely be able to happen with any adults in your life. Okay, 
Now, so you are best on a schedule or routine. You are allowed to take breaks from your responsibilities. You are allowed to take breaks from social obligations. I hope that this episode has been helpful for you. I hope that you have learned something about sensory processing disorder, what it's like to live with it, and some of the ways that you can help yourself and support yourself through the more difficult times that we're dealing with sensory overwhelm. If you found this podcast helpful or interesting, please consider supporting me on Patreon. For just $1 US, you'll get special access to sneak peeks, rough cuts, opportunities to help select upcoming podcast topics and guests and other perks. You can become a patron today at patreon.com slash neurodiverging. And thank you again, Zach, for joining the Patreon community. So excited to have you. Thank you for listening to Neurodiverging today. Please remember to take care of yourself. We are all in this together.